Welcome to Equiosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. When Dominique and I get together, it's always a non-stop conversation. And that's certainly the case this afternoon. We just finished recording the podcast that we put up last week. And we started out with a quote from Dr. Susan Friedman, a quote from the webinar that we had at the end of September. And that led us to a discussion of Dominique's dog who was barking at squirrels, and then to an incredible statement about repertoire. Dominique, do you remember what you said? Well, we were talking about having uh, language and tools to teach our horses, and we were saying that uh, building a repertoire is so important. Because if you don't have a repertoire... How can you talk? You have nothing. Yeah, if you don't... What? So you don't want me to do whatever, but you haven't taught me anything else I can do. Right. Teach me a hundred other things I can do and then we can talk and then you can redirect me towards something else but if i know of nothing you know repertoire of skills and behaviors is underrated oh absolutely it is so important it's it's our tools it's the tools we're going to work to find solutions and you can never have too many you can never have a big enough repertoire so if someone says i don't know what to train it doesn't matter train Train anything anything. it'll be useful if you don't have if you have no behaviors in common that you've taught it's like having no language exactly you have nothing you have nothing to say to one another and and you made that very powerful statement that you know if you're not sure what to teach just teach something because those behaviors begin to accumulate and i was just looking today for through uh, one of the old one of my old conference presentations and there was a slide on exactly this on on repertoire that if for example you have a horse that's standing next to you and the horse is mugging you but that's all the horse has in repertoire to know what to do then that's what the horse is going to do to try and get food he's going to mug you but if you've taught him to go into grown-ups are talking and you click and give him food or you teach him to drop his head and you click and give him food and you reinforce those two behaviors a lot it's susan's law of matching that she talked about in the webinar then those become the more likely behaviors so now he has three choices i could mug you to get food i could stand i could put my head straight in in front of my shoulders to get food. I could lower my head to get food. I I could back up to get food. Well, a clicker animal knows about dozens and dozens and dozens of ways to get food. And so mugging is not one of them because it doesn't work. But that's that's only part of it. Not only does mugging doesn't work, but all the other things work beautifully. Yes. And so that's why repertoire is so important because you have yeah. all these alternatives to whatever 
unwanted behavior there are. That's right. And it gets you the thing that you wanted. So if you're, for example, if you're biting, if you're a dog or a horse that's biting, why is, the, why is this horse biting? Well, maybe it's to get you to move away from him. So let's give, let's teach a repertoire of behaviors that satisfies that need for space. And then let's work on, well, why does my horse feel the need to move me out of his space? Let's change that whole dynamic through the teaching. And the other piece of this that it made me think about is, so the, the situation we were describing or we were working with was a, a horse that had come out of traditional handling that was very shut down in the beginning and was now being brought back into another type of training through the positive reinforcement. And so this was a horse that was beginning to have a fairly broad repertoire of behaviors that had been taught through clicker training. But as the handler approached the riding, she was seeing a real drop-off in the horse's behavior. And it made me think when, with the suggestion of go back and train, you know, go back to the very beginning. Make it easier. Make it easier. Go back to the very beginning. In going back and rebuilding these, what we'll call kindergarten behaviors, these mm. very simple single element behaviors, such as head lowering, such as putting your head uh, directly in front of you for grown-ups, such as backing up a step or two, such as touching a target. All of these very simple behaviors become a way, they create a way for the horse to say, I'm ready, we can move on. And for the horse to also say, I, I need this to, I need, I need a break now. This is beginning to be too much for me. That that's such an important part of the training. And that it's through this, when we go back through the repertoire, that we begin to see how the behaviors that we teach serve so many different functions. When I teach, one of the horses that comes to mind was a horse that was very, very stiff and locked up in his body. And this was in a clinic. And the first day that, that I was working with him, we worked only on the left side of this horse. The right side was a complete no man's land. So we worked just on the left and we got these beautiful softenings. The horse learned, was beginning to very consistently be able to soften and release through his jaw, his pole, to pick up through the base of his neck. Everything was looking very pretty and, and easy. And it was, I think it probably felt really good to him. And he got lots and lots of reinforcement for this. So the next day when we brought him out, slid down the lead rope, that softening was there, was just immediately there. And click and reinforce, click and reinforce it a few times. And then we went to the right side, which was still a no man's land, but we got a little bit of change on the right side and went immediately back to the left side. Now you can look at that in a lot of different ways, but how I looked at it was that we could now use the left side to reinforce the, the right side. So a behavior that we had worked on just the previous day that was basically a brand new behavior the previous day could now be used 
to reinforce an even newer behavior, which was asking for a soft give on the right side. We get just a little bit, a little bit, click and treat each of those efforts, and then, wow, we get to go to the left side where things are clear, they're easy, they feel good, click and treat. So we can use the behaviors that we teach to reinforce, but also those behaviors can now be used for the horse to communicate back to me. I'm ready for you to move on or I need you to wait. So exciting, all this stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it gives us so many handles that we can activate. And, and we often miss them, I think, in the first time round. So one of the places, if you have a horse that's been ridden in, in the past, it's been a riding horse, but perhaps not successfully, or it may have been ridden in such a way that for the horse, it wasn't fun. Which is, which is the case for the majority of well, horses, unless he was born at your place? Chances are everybody has gotten a horses which who has had some kind of negative past history. There's a pretty good chance of this, no? Well, there are a lot of horses out there that are ridden well and enjoy riding. But there are also we you know the reality is there are a lot of horses for whom riding is is not fun. And so if you've just if that's the case one of the places where this being able to say yes or being able to say no is at the mounting block. And it's such a great place to really teach a horse that once, because once I know, once, once I've gone through a thorough teaching process and I know that the horse understands the behavior, and for me the behavior is I'll bring the horse into whatever arena, workspace I'm going to ride in, and, and I leave the horse out away from the mounting block. I walk over to the mounting block. I call the horse. The horse comes over, lines himself up next to the mounting block, and I get on, and we ride off. And if on a particular day the horse doesn't line up to the mounting block, I'm going to say, oh, okay, we're not riding today. There's something that's not right. You know, that's when I take my horse's temperature, that's when I check for heat in the feet, that's when I, I go on alert because my deep belief is that my horses enjoy being ridden. The data would suggest that they enjoy being ridden. They come up normally to the mounting block. And so on a day that they don't, there's something wrong. And I need them to have a way of saying to me, mm, this is not a good day to ride. And that something wrong may, might be something in me. You know, maybe I've just had one of those days. Maybe I've been, uh, maybe I, if I worked in an office and it had been one of those days when everything was going wrong and then when I was driving home and the traffic was terrible and I had to stop at the grocery store and there were all these, I don't know, rude clerk who was also having a day, whatever. So by the time I get to the barn, I'm just, uh, and my horse is looking at me going, hmm. I, I don't think you should be on my back. Well, that's, that's important information. And I want my horse to feel comfortable saying no to me. And so there, there isn't a penalty of, well, you should come, you must come up to the mounting block. No, it's okay for my horse to say no to me. But he also has a way of saying yes to me. When I bring the bridle out and I hold the bridle up and my horse 
reaches his head out so that he basically self-bridles, that's a very clear yes. If he moves his head away, it's a clear no. And I think, you know, and those are obvious places, but I think within, within our training, there are all kinds of subtle little tells, little signs that say to us, hmm, this is not a good time to ask for this, or this is a great time to ask for this. Or he doesn't have the repertoire. Or he doesn't have the repertoire. Or you're trying to take away something that is very important to him in terms of outcome. Because that was that's something that Susan is, is always encouraging us to do, is to understand why your horse is saying no. What's, you know, what is the function of this refusal? And once you understand it, you protect the, the reason for the behavior, but you also start to teach skills that will make the unwanted behavior less likely and what you want the horse to do more likely. So if in the case, for instance, of the biting, the horse or whatever animal is biting because they want your hand to go away, to not be so close to them, fine, you will protect their, the fact that they can say no, but you will, you want them to say no in a proper way that will not hurt your hand. So you will accept perhaps that if they put their ears flat on their head, that means no, and you will put distance between you and your horse. And then, because you want to teach them to halter, let's say that's the when you are get, getting bitten, you will reteach the whole process of altering bit by bit, going back to the very basics. While you are still listening to your horse when his ears are flat on his neck, saying you're too close. You did that with one of the horses at the retirement farm, didn't you? Wasn't there a horse that was... Yeah, I had a horse where I worked for a long, long time on the... And you know, that's that's the tip. I work on basic stuff for a long, long time. And sometimes, you know, you may feel like you're silly working so much on these little things. But that was part of our conversation too with Susan, is that what is advanced work? Advanced work is the basics done supremely yes. well with a lot of clarity. And, you know, I've heard this all kinds of ways. I've heard this when I was still with the show. There was this horse whisperer, someone I really, really respected, who said to me, you know, when you prepare a Liberty Act for two years, there's nothing to show. And then all of a sudden, you have an act. It all comes together, and you have a terrific act to show. I've heard you say this about Anya Baran's clinics when you someone was asking about the Spanish walk, how long it takes before she gets to the end result. It's everywhere. We're, we're, so, we're in such a hurry all the time. Yes. And so, so much in a hurry that we don't want to hear the no's when the animal is saying too too much too soon for me. That's right. And so 
Yeah, so we have to, and it's, you know, even the, in the dressage, the riders that I have the most respect for, they don't ask for advanced work before the horses are seven, eight years old. They prepare, 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 prepare for the longest time with the tiniest little thing working on the basics. And when it's time, it all comes together. And so the basic work, you know, I've been, now it's been a few years and the more I go, the more I see the value of the basic work. And it was one of the things that you and Susan were discussing where she was saying, you know, in behavior analysis, it's one of those sciences where you can stay in the 101 level and solve 95% of the day-to-day -day problem and be fascinated and spend your whole career there because there's just so much to get out of it. The basics well done. Yes, and I think that's true in horse training as well, that the basics well done are really, that's, that's, that's what training is basics well done and when you've got that then all of a sudden it looks like very fancy performance I was just um, back from a couple of clinics and I saw just such beautiful rope handling the people who were coming they were well prepared they've been looking at the rope handling that I teach in detail and they I'm thinking of one person in particular she had a fairly nervous horse clearly a fairly complex horse and the rope handling was so beautiful, just beautiful. And the simplicity of it, it can look, in a sense, very simple. But to be able to spend three days with a horse who's in a new environment, that's nervous, that tends to be a fairly reactive personality, and never have to tighten the lead rope, was really gorgeous it was beautiful handling so to see the basics done well and done thoroughly and to see the result of that it just made me smile it absolutely made me smile one of the many pieces of this is that when you go back through the behaviors and you develop the nuance of them and you revisit and revisit some of these what seem like very simple behaviors you really do begin to recognize the communication that is always there between you and your horse and it's not it's not that they're flattening their ears necessarily to say no i mean that's coming when they've reached a point where they have to shout at us yeah that's that's right <laughs> right but it's 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 that lovely nuance of just a, a slight change in the rhythm. Yeah, uh, less, less um, fluency, less late, more latency. Yeah, just some little change, some quick dropping of the head where they're using that behavior to say, mm, slow down for a moment. And all of these become things that we learn how to read and that we can then reinforce and make clearer so that there is a real dialogue in the training. It's no longer just, this is my goal, this is what I want you to do, this is the behavior that I wish you to perform, and I will reinforce you for it. Instead, it's a real 
back and forth conversation. And that's when it becomes truly joyful. But that that doesn't happen right away. I think it, it happens just as it does between people. It happens over time as you begin to develop a comfort level with one another that allows for that back and forth dialogue to appear. Where the horse truly feels that he has a voice and that that voice is being listened to. Yeah. What a great place to leave this podcast. That's always been an important part of my training. That statement where the horse truly has a voice and that voice is being listened to. It's been a recurring theme for me. I started writing about it in my first book, Clicker Training for Your Horse. And it wasn't intentional that we ended the podcast with this same line, but it is very fitting. My book was published 20 years ago this month. It's an important anniversary date for me. And all year I've been writing thank yous to the many people who have helped bring clicker training into the horse community. I obviously haven't been able to thank each and every person, so I'll, I'll send out that general thank you. It's like throwing a pebble into a pond and letting the ripples go out. We've had a lot of people throwing pebbles into the pond, and the ripples are definitely going out. We have people all over the planet who are discovering not just the joy of positive reinforcement training, but the real joy of being with their animals. You can read these articles in my blog, theclickercenterblog.com. And before we leave you, Dominique and I want to remind you that we have a webinar coming up on November 11th at 1.30 Eastern Time with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz. I hope you can join us. Those of you who listened to our first two webinars with Jesus know what a treasure trove he has given us. Jesus is really enjoying these webinars. I think he likes being turned loose to teach on topics that he knows are especially relevant to those of us who have horses. He's been so wonderfully generous to make time for us in his schedule. And for me, selfishly, I am loving having these webinars. It's as though we all get to attend a graduate level seminar in behavioral analysis, but it's a graduate level seminar with a difference. Yes, Jesus is sharing with us the leading edge of current scientific thinking in the field of behavioral analysis, but he doesn't overcomplicate it with jargon. He really does make it understandable. And if something isn't clear, we can ask all the questions we want. And always, he ties it back into real-world training. So whether you're working with horses or dogs or some other species, there is great value in these webinars. So I hope you'll join us. To register, go to equosity.com. Remember, that's equus plus curiosity. So it's equosity.com. If you sign up before the webinar, you'll get the early bird price. And if you want to listen to any of our past webinars, we have those available as well. You can buy them through our online store. So if you missed Jesus's first two webinars, you can still listen to them. Again, just go to equosity.com for more information on the webinars. And next week, we'll have a new podcast for you. Until then, 
Have fun with your training.